Uh, well, this morning uh, we are finishing up 1 John. And so before we dive into 1 John chapter 5, I want to invite you, uh, if you would, to pray with me. Let's pray together. Father God, thanks so much for uh, your living and active word. Thank you that you still use it uh, to form and shape your people to change uh, hearts and lives. I thank you that this document written some 2,000 years ago, Lord, is still being used by you in significant ways to open up our eyes to help us to see uh, your beauty. And so I pray that you would do that this morning. I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would be a teacher and guide uh, to us, your people. Lord, I pray that you would uh, chisel away things in our hearts that don't belong. I pray that you would uh, mold us, form us, shape us uh, into a people who uh, live for your glory alone. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have uh, loved us first. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. Uh, did you know that this day in history, this day, the 29th of September, in 1948, Hamlet, Hamlet, directed and starring Laurence Olivier, opened at the Park Avenue Cinema, received Best Picture in 1949. Who was uh, alive in 1948? Just quick show, and no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking 1948, it happened this day. Did you know that this day in history, in 1954, Willie Mays made his famous over-the-shoulder catch of Vic Wirtz's 460-foot line drive to deep center field in game one of the World Series. You remember that? I don't. I wasn't alive, uh, but I, I saw the video. Uh, do you know that this day in history, in 1984, Let's Go Crazy by Prince and the Revolution peaked at number one? Kids, you remember that? Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out on life. Did you know that in, on this day in history, in the year 2008, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 777.68 points. At the time, it was the largest single-day point loss following uh, the bankruptcies of the Lehman Brothers and Washington Mutual. That was a pretty significant day. Do you know that this day, uh, on this very day, uh, you uh, can know uh, that you have eternal life? Do you know that? Do you know that on this day, September 29th, 2019, on this day, uh, you can know that you have eternal life. As John begins to close his book, he writes to churches, uh, house churches who were uh, wrestling through the person and work of Jesus. And he says to them, I write these things to you. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's pretty amazing to think about, isn't it? If you're uh, younger, you probably don't think a whole lot about eternal life. Even as we get a little older, uh, we don't love to think about eternal life because it typically means the end of this life. And this is the life that we know, right? This is the life that we have experienced. And so we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking to ourselves about life forever. I, I never did. Uh, I never did until about five years ago. Five years ago, I was out running with my friend Brian, and we were training for a race. And uh, as we were jogging, uh, I felt like my heart 
was starting to do some funny things. And I didn't know what it was doing, but I know that it didn't feel really normal to me. And so I remember going back over to Brian's house and sitting down in his living room, and I was staring at uh, his teenage daughter at the time. Her name was Brantley. And uh, she kind of looked at me and said, James, is everything okay? And I said, no, uh, Brantley, it's not. I said, my, my heart feels kind of funny. I don't feel like I'm having a heart attack. Uh, not that I've ever had one before, uh, but it just kind of feels uh, weird to me. And then I uh, jokingly said to Brantley, because these are fun things to joke about, Brantley, you might be the last person to see me alive. It's not really funny. You know, sometimes when you're a joke teller, you just throw them out there and hope something sticks. Uh, In retrospect, that was probably not something I should have joked about. I went back home. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I told Melissa, I said, Melissa, something's wrong. I said, I don't know what's wrong, but my heart feels kind of wonky. And she had tickets to go see Wicked uh, with a friend that night. If you haven't seen Wicked yet and your husband's dying... um, and you have tickets, don't go. <laughs> you should stay with him. But Melissa said, I, you want me to stay home? And I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm fine. I said, I just, it, it's just, I need to catch my breath. I'll be fine. I said, you go, have fun. And she's like, are you sure? I said, I'm positive. I'm like, go, go, go. And so uh, she went. And um, for the rest of the night, I just kept on walking around the house thinking to myself, boy, my heart feels kind of funny. I don't know what's wrong, but something is. And so I called up uh, my friend who's a lot smarter than me. And I said, hey, um, something's wrong with my heart. I don't know exactly what it is. I said, I'm not having a heart attack, I'm pretty sure, but it just feels kind of funny. And he said to me, well, James, you live pretty close to the fire station. Why don't you drive to the fire station? Uh, There'll be an EMT there. Um, They'll they'll check you out, and if something's wrong, they'll take you to the hospital. And if nothing's wrong, um, they'll take you to the hospital. And, um, And I'm like, those like sound the same same options and so i just thought boy that just sounds like an expensive uber trip and uh but i'm like hey it's my heart and you only get one of those and so i went to the fire station and i pulled up and uh the guys uh were sitting there eating uh, dinner and they're like is everything okay and i said is there like an emt here and they're like no they're out um but are you okay do you want us to call someone and i was like no i'm i'm fine i'm fine and uh (laughs) because I'm an idiot. And so I left, and I went back home, and uh, someone was watching my kids at the time, and I, you know, I fed them, we read books, I put them to bed, uh, but my heart still was kind of funny. It was like nine o'clock in the evening by this time, and I started texting Melissa, and I called her, and I was like, hey, um, something's not right. I don't know what's wrong, but I still don't feel great. Like, can you, can you come home? Well, she had her phone off, because, you know, she... <laughs> She went and saw Wicked. And so she turned off her phone. When she turned on her phone at about 11 o'clock, she sees all of my text messages. And she immediately calls me, and she's like, James, you need to go to the hospital, and you need to go now. Um, A lot of time had passed. And I said, you know what, Melissa, I just want want you to come home. I said, I'm going to be fine. I want you to come home. Uh, once you come home, like, I'll, I'll be okay, because that'll just magically make everything better, right? And so she's like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, just come home. So she hung up the phone, and she called her dad, and about seven seconds um, after I hung up the phone with my wife, uh, my father-in-law called me, who had had a heart attack a couple years previously, and uh, he uh, used some rather inappropriate words and told me um, to go to the hospital. And so uh, Melissa got home about 10 minutes later. I called a friend. He came over to watch the kids. I drove to the hospital. I walked in at about midnight, um, and I told the nice lady at the front desk, hey, I'm not having a heart attack, but I feel like something's wrong with my ticker. And um, if you ever want, incidentally, to get to the front of the line uh, in, in ER, 
this is a great way to do it, <laughs> right? And so I sat down for about 3.7 seconds before they called me in the back and they hooked me up and um, they told me, uh, James, your heart is beating 260 beats a minute. Um, how long has it been doing this? And I was like, since about like 2.57 this afternoon. And by now it's like 12.30. And I guess apparently that's a long time um, and not really healthy for you. And so the doctor came in and said, uh, James, um, I think you're going to be okay, uh, but uh, we need to uh, shock your heart. And I thought, like, I, I mean, you don't hear that every day, right? I had never gone through that before, and I really wasn't expecting to hear it. And so when he's like, James, we need to shock your heart, I'm like, like with paddles, like they do in the movies? <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, kind of like that. Uh, the last thing that I remember is uh, the ER doctor standing over me as I'm looking up, and uh, he asked me two questions. He says, James, have you ever been kicked in the chest uh, by a horse before? Uh, or have you ever been hit with a baseball in the chest? I didn't think that those were the most appropriate questions. Because um, I was asking him, hey, are you going to tell me when you're going to do this? I remember laying on the bed and I looked up in the, in the room and Melissa is standing in the doorway uh, to, my, to my right. And I didn't, this isn't like a, I didn't, I didn't, at the time, I didn't think, hey, this is a near-death experience. But... Um, but it was also unusual, right? It was kind of a big deal for me. And God was so gracious to me in that moment. I was working through uh, this catechism at the time. A catechism, if you've been through one, like ask a question and then, and then you have an answer. And the first question for this catechism was, uh, was this. What is uh, your only hope in life and in death? <laughs> Whoa. What is your only hope in life and in death? And the answer uh, to that, that we teach our kids, is that we are not our own, but belong to God. And our only hope in life and death is that we are not our own, but belong to God. The uh, Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church at Rome and said uh, these words, If we live, uh, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to him. Um, that day was the, the first day that I really felt like I wouldn't live forever. Uh, we don't like thinking about stuff like that. Uh, we spend most of our lives uh, trying to sweep that reality under the rug. Uh, and yet, I take great comfort in knowing that God wants his people uh, to know, to know, like deeply know, um, that, uh, that you uh, can have eternal life. I mean, think about that, e eternal. I mean, it, eternal means last forever. It just goes and goes and goes. When I think about something that's eternal, this is silly, but I thought about uh, the old Energizer Bunny commercials that I saw growing up. Back in the 1970s, Duracell Battery came up with this idea for a rabbit. And they started using it in 1973. And they used it uh, for years, about 15 years. Uh, but in the late 80s, their trademark lapsed, which apparently is not a good thing if you are competing against other battery companies. Because Energizer came in with their own bunny. And they thought, hey, we have an idea. We're going to create our own bunny, and we're going to make a commercial with the two bunnies. And the Duracell bunny is going to run out of batteries. He's going to be playing his drums, and then he's just going to kind of wind down. 
But the Energizer Bunny is just going to keep going and going and going. Do you know that God has created us, humanity, you and me, uh, to to go and go and go, to to last forever, to experience uh, what is eternal, right? And if you have had an experience in life that has been good and beautiful, you probably can think about a time in your mind where you have thought, I want that experience to go on forever, I I want that day to go on forever. I want the joy that I experienced in that moment uh, to go on forever. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a a day that you spent with someone you love. Maybe it is a day that you spent with your kids and no one argued and everyone enjoyed the time together. And at the end of the day, you just thought that was a perfect day. I wish that I could experience that again and again and again. I wish that those days would be eternal days. Well, apparently, God has created us in such a way that we get to experience eternal days. We get to experience what Scripture calls eternal life. Now, sometimes we experience life and we have these moments and experiences in life that we think to ourselves, if that is eternal, I don't want it. Right? Because you have had bad days before. You've had days when you've been hurt, when you've been disappointed, when your heart has been crushed and you think to yourself, I don't want to experience that again and again and again. I laugh. Melissa's grandfather is in his mid-90s now. His name's Stan. Whenever I go visit Stan in the summertime, Stan is leaning over like this and he looks up and I say, Stan, how you doing? And he'll look up and he'll say, best day of my life. And I think to myself, if that is the best day of your life, then I don't want it. Because that doesn't look like the best day. I read an article just the past week from Futurist.com. Some people who think about these things and dream about these things uh, suggest, researchers in Silicon Valley suggest that people who are alive today could live up to 1,000 years old heard that and I thought to myself, I do not want that. I don't want that. Because the world that we live in is, is broken. And it doesn't always work the way that we want it to. And the experiences that we long for, we don't always have. But the beautiful thing about Scripture is it tells us that there will be a day when um, that will not be the case. Uh, the, the psalmist says uh, in the book of Psalms that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That is what I want. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, Did you know? Did you know uh, that you can have eternal life? John continues... In verses 14 and 15, and he says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Did you know that God hears and answers your prayers? 
Did you know that God hears and answers your prayers? That's what John says right here. This is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That phrase, according to his will, um, sometimes that gets a bad rap. Right? Sometimes uh, we can use that phrase on the front end or on the back end of a prayer request, and it almost becomes an out for us um, from asking anything significant of the Lord. It's like we really want to ask for big, audacious, great things, but we're hesitant, and so we just simply ask for something and then say, if it's your will. I remember when I was in seminary, I worked for a Christian radio ministry called Insight for Living, and I'll never forget one of the pastors there uh, when our, one of our admins was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And this is the second time that it had come back. And I remember uh, just sitting at this uh, table in our meeting room. And, and Judy was there. And the pastors were there. And when we prayed, the, the pastor prayed, God, we throw caution to the wind and we pray for healing. I just thought, man, that is a, that's a bold, audacious prayer. Right? Because I think... I think just in my natural self, I think about the statistics. Uh, I think about, okay, this is not good. She's had this before and it's come back. And I thought, man, I want, I want kind of an out. And so let's just pray according to the will of God. Uh, and that way it will protect us from being disappointed. But I don't think that's what John is saying. I, I think John is saying that, that the God who knows you and made you and loves you, the God who rules and reigns on high, Right? His sovereign will over creation can be trusted. Like the reality is he knows and sees things that I don't know and see. That's crazy, right? That the God of the universe knows and sees things that I don't know and see. Right? And so I see dimly. I don't... I don't always know what God's doing. I don't always know how God's moving and acting. And so I say and admit, God, I believe that you are sovereign, that you are in control. And so I pray for your will. And it's not a cop-out to me. It's not a cop-out. It's a way of saying, God, I, I trust you. So, so do uh, your will. And I love the words of George Mueller, missionary, who uh, refused a salary, refused financial support for himself and his ministry. He just prayed and asked that God would send what uh, they needed. And he oftentimes said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. I love that. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. So we pray, God, if you, you will. And we see this in other places in Scripture. That this idea about uh, praying for God's will or trusting God's will. I think of the passage from James chapter 4, verse 13. It says, uh, Come now, you who say to, uh, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He says in verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. 
all such boasting is evil. For the longest time, uh, I, I would hear people uh, say things like, well, if, if the Lord wills, I'll see you next week. And there's part of me that goes, ah, I, come on. Like, really? Like, you, you'll see me next week, you know. If, if the Lord wills, we'll grab coffee on Tuesday. And I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> we'll grab coffee on Tuesday, right? It's on the calendar. You know, James is going like, James, the one who wrote this, is going, James, the one who reads this, hey, you're not calling the shots. You're not in charge. And there aren't guarantees. And so we should say, well, if the Lord wills. Jesus himself in the garden prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. God's will uh, for you and for me is good. God works for our good and for his glory. He does not mess with his kids. He does not mess with his kids. And he answers our prayers. So pray big, audacious prayers. Pray that God would move and act and do spectacular things. Kids, I know we have some kids with us this morning. Listen to me. Listen, kids. You will be tempted as you get older uh, to think uh, that the world is just kind of the way that it is. This is just kind of the world that we live in, and things really don't change a whole lot, and people don't change a whole lot. That prayer is something that we do in church, but maybe it doesn't make any sort of real difference. I want you to know when that happens, I want you to remember that God hears and answers your prayers. Uh, old people than the kids. I want you uh, to know that you will be tempted as you get older uh, to think uh, that the world is just kind of the way that it is, that things don't change a whole lot and people don't change a whole lot, that prayer is something that we do in church, but it doesn't really make any sort of difference. I want you uh, to remember that God hears and answers your prayers. Uh, did uh, you know, did you know that today, this very day, that God hears and answers your prayers. Uh, did you know that you know uh, what is true and what satisfies? Do you know uh, that you know, we know what is true and what satisfies? John puts it this way in John, our first John chapter 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. John writes to the church, and he says, I want you to know, I want you to remember, I want you to listen. Uh, Jesus is true. Jesus is true, and you are in Jesus. And Jesus is who satisfies. His last words to the church are fascinating to me. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Interesting last words, are they not? Like if that was the last line of the letter written to you, you probably would go, huh? Like when I read this, I thought, what were my parents' last words to me as they sent me off to college? I don't, I'm not positive, but I think they said, uh, James, we're proud of you. Uh, they, they may have said, uh, James, we, 
We love you. Maybe they said, James, we love you and we're proud of you. You know what they didn't say? They didn't say, James, keep yourself from idols. But that's what John says. And I think John speaks those words and says those words because he knows something about the condition of the human heart. People older and wiser than us talk about the human heart being an idol factory. Like, like we're always trying to create these idols in our hearts, these things that uh, we love and that we worship. Typically, when I think of idol, I think of like American Idol. Right? That, that's what comes to mind. Like when I think of like American Idol, that's what I think about. Or, or sometimes I think of, of like a, a golden calf. You read the Old Testament and you think this idol is made out of gold, or maybe you, maybe you think of this massive stone structure where uh, this person or thing is sitting crisscross applesauce with their hands out and like a third eye, and people are bowing down and worshiping an idol. I don't think, though, that that's necessarily what uh, John has in mind. You see, an idol doesn't have to have a prominent place on our fireplace. It just has to have a place in our hearts. An idol is anything that takes God's seat in our hearts and in our minds. And we can make an idol out of just about anything and everything. Uh, we can make an idol out of our reputation. Right? And so if people say kind things about me or uh, wonderful things about me, then my emotions skyrocket and I feel uh, good and I long for and I thirst for more. We can make an idol out of our accomplishments um, things that we've done. Have you ever gone out of your way uh, to share just a little piece of your resume with someone else? Right? Because you, you know that if they know that you've had that experience, like you'll look maybe just a little bit better in their eyes. We can make an idol out of our income or our retirement account. And so if the accounts look good and flush, then we feel good because that's where our hope is. We can make an idol out of a school that we attend or friends that we have, our spouse, our kids, our favorite sport. Honestly, um, that's just scratching the idol surface. Like we can make an idol out of just about anything and everything. The things about idols is that they never truly satisfy our restless hearts. Idols always, always, always overpromise and underdeliver. You think to yourself, if I have that, if I experience that, well, then I will experience true and lasting joy. And it never works that way. The public praise that we long for lifts our souls for a second. And then we look for the next fix. The, the little trinket that arrives on our doorstep two days after we order it that we think will finally bring us the joy that we long for uh, is a lovely little toy uh, just for a moment. And then we move on to the next thing. The experience that we just have to have because you only live once. Sometimes we have the experience and we go, eh, 
It was good, but it doesn't satisfy. It's no wonder that John's last words to the, to the church are words of caution. Keep yourself from idols, because idols uh, never satisfy. Think about it. Idols are not even, they're just not real. Like, we make them, we create them, and then we expect them to fulfill us. Scripture says in Psalm 135, verse 15, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. If you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, I wonder if I have idols in my life or in my heart, uh, one of the best ways for us to identify our idols is to simply take them away. Right? To take them away. Does losing your title at work devastate you? Do you, do you think to yourself, if I can't be in that role, I would be devastated? Do you suffer sleepless nights when uh, the market goes up a few points or down a few points? When you, you look at your account, your retirement account, and you think to yourself, ah, when, when that takes a hit, does, does your sense of hope and safety vanish? How, how do you feel when your kids don't make the honor roll or they let in the game-winning goal or they're overlooked at the end-of-the-year banquet? Are you not just disappointed, but crushed? Are you devastated when you can't play your favorite sport or game any longer? What or whom is your source of joy? What captivates my heart so much that if I lost it, I would be devastated? I think about those questions in my own heart and in my own life. And I don't know about you, but I mean, there's certainly some idols that seem to pop up. Uh, here is uh, the good news. The good news that John writes to uh, the church is that you know the one who is true. If you know Jesus, uh, you know the one who is true. You know the one who satisfies. You know the one uh, who gives life. And so don't settle uh, for lesser things in life. John writes to the church as an older, wiser man. Remember when we started this series, we said that John was more than likely near the end of his life when he wrote this book. So he had lived a little life. He had experiences. He, he wrote as, as more of a grandfatherly type figure uh, who, who very wisely said to his audience, do uh, not chase after idols. Don't chase after idols. They will never satisfy your heart. Christ Point, did you know, did you know that uh, on this day in history, on this day, this very day, uh, that you can know uh, that you have eternal life? Eternal life comes uh, from a relationship with Jesus. It comes when we place our faith and our trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, our resurrected Savior, did you know on this day that you can know, that you can know that God hears and answers prayers? 
And did you know on this day that you can know uh, what is true and what really satisfies? Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we, uh, we give you thanks uh, for the life that you offer to us through your son Jesus. Thank you for uh, eternal life, never ending a life with you. Stir in our hearts a desire and an affection for that good news. Uh, God, we thank you that you hear and answer prayers. Lord, it blows my mind that we, your people, can sit in this place on this morning, Concord, North Carolina, and we can offer prayers uh, to you and you hear us. We give you thanks for that, God, and we pray in faith uh, for your good and perfect will to be done in us. God, we thank you that you are a God who truly satisfies. We thank you that we know uh, the truth. And so I pray that you would uh, fill our hearts with a love and an affection for Jesus. I pray that we would not be a people uh, who chase after lesser things. Uh, God, we... <laughs> We're prone to wonder, and so we pray that you would do a good work in our hearts and in our lives, even this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.